Amen. That's our title. Go tell it on the mountain. You know, many years ago, uh, when I was a child, I used to play that on the on the radio. It was a hit song. Yeah, I'm not kidding. There were lots of Christian songs. Um, when we'd get up in the morning, we'd be getting ready to go to school and uh, just on the normal breakfast program, they would sing these Christian songs. If I thought, had a thought of that, I could have told you some of the other songs. Um, <clears throat> there's one about uh, my sunshine. Yeah, anyway, you may be seated. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a handout for you. And if you're watching online, uh, then uh, these handouts will be available on the front table for you to pick up. There's a lot of information in them and I really don't intend to get through uh, all of that. Um, maybe at home, if, you, uh, if you're watching, you may like to uh, take a photograph of the screen uh, and get some of the notes. There'll be a lot on the screen as well, but I, again, I don't expect that I'm going to cover every point. <clears throat> in the words uh, in Through the Bible in a Year, I'm going to quote, it says, or they said, purpose in life is more important than property or possessions. Having more to live with is no substitute for having more to live for. The two greatest days of your life are the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. God has a specific purpose for every one of us and I know so many people find it difficult. For some reason they find it difficult to know what God wants them to do, what God's purpose is in their life. So tonight we're going to help you to find that every one of us can fulfill his purpose. If you've got a Bible, please open it up. I'm going to read from the NIV, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. Verse 10. For the person who wants to love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Now I've said all that because we're going to talk about go tell it on a mountain. You can't tell people about Jesus if you've got a lot of other things coming out of your mouth. For the Lord watches the righteous and he pays attention to their prayers. But the Lord opposes those who do wrong who will harm you if you are devoted to doing what is good 
But even if you should suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Never be afraid of their threats and never get upset. Instead, exalt Jesus as the Lord of your lives. Always be prepared to give a defense to everyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have. But do this gently. But do this gently and respectfully. If they ask you about the hope that you have in Jesus, respond gently and respectfully, keeping a clear, clear conscience so that those who speak evil of your good conduct in the Lord Jesus will be ashamed of slandering you. After all, if it is the will of God, it is better to suffer for doing right than for doing wrong. Amen. <clears throat> so we'll go to our, uh, our slides now. Go tell them on a mountain tonight is all about sharing your testimony. Unfortunately, we have not shared our testimony as often as we should have. We've never not opened our mouth and, and told them about the wonderful things that God has done in our life. And God does do wonderful things in our life. I could ask you right now, which of you would like to go back to the person you were before you were saved? I don't think so. I think we're here tonight. That demonstrates the very fact that we want to continue to live for God. And so we've got a story to tell. Every single person has a story to tell. And there's nothing wrong if you tell that story over and over and over again. After all, the testimonies that we have in the Word of God have been there sometimes, uh, if they're Old Testament testimonies, right back thousands of years. The New Testament, 2000, of, 2000 years. And we're still reading those testimonies. And you are a New Testament Christian, and so you have a testimony. People need to hear your testimony. To you, it's ordinary, but to them, it will be extraordinary. So we are going to go now to our next slide. Why is your personal testimony so powerful? Why is your personal testimony so powerful? It's unique. Yeah? There's no other like it. It's your testimony. It is personal and easy to be understood. If you're expressing it, it's your life, your testimony, it's easy to be understood. You are the authority of it. So it is difficult to argue with it. Nobody can take your testimony from you. If you've got a testimony, Nobody can deny it. They may argue about the Bible, but they can't argue with your testimony. People love personal stories, and they remember it. And people can relate to it, so it builds a relational bridge. In other words, we can... Uh, people can feel they're close to us because we, we, we open up to them. Amen? 
So there are four parts to your testimony. The first part is, and this one we spend the least amount of time on, what my life was like before I knew Jesus. Now, I've heard some people talk about their life before they knew Jesus, and I really wish I'd never ever heard it. <laughs> you don't have to tell them all the dirt and all the nitty-gritties, okay? Just tell them that you weren't a very good person before you became a Christian. That's enough. So, to tell people what you were like before you became Jesus, before you became, before you knew Jesus, was or is to relate to the unbeliever. Relate to them. Understand? Don't tell them stories that are just so far removed that they can't relate to. You're, you're trying to get into their heart. Now, I'm sorry about the repeat up there. Uh, only when I was reading my notes later on that I realised that I'd put that twice. or put the computer to it or something. I don't even know how it got there. <clears throat> so you need to talk about what was most important to you. There are certain highlights in your Christian life or when you came to know Jesus that are best to talk about. You don't have to cover the whole thing, all right? Being brief is very important, but to the point. What substitute for God did you use to find meaning in your life? Now, once again, be careful what you say. Was it sport? Was it success at work? Was it marriage? Was it sex? Was it making money, drugs or alcohol? Was it just having a lot of fun? Was it being popular? Was it a hobby? Be brief. But just can't get to them at the level where they understand that you needed to be saved. All right? The second part of your testimony is number two. Spend a little bit more time on this. How I realised I needed Jesus. How did you realise you needed Jesus? And what significant steps led up to your conversion? So people have all sorts of, uh, all sorts of testimonies. You may have been raised in church. You may have been going to church every Sunday. But what was the particular and significant step that led to your conversion. You know, it could be a death in the family. It may be a sickness. Something made you desperate. Something opened your ears and God was able to grant you repentance. Were they needs? Were they hurts? Were they problems? Were, were you just dissatisfied with life? Did you begin to think to yourself, I can't live without God. There's got to be somebody bigger than me. Or how did God get your attention? This is an interesting one because it, it, it's interesting how God gets people's attention. How did God get your attention? And what motivated you to make a move? The first time I ever made a move 
to the Lord was in a Billy Graham crusade in the Meyer Music Bowl, I think in 1956. I can't remember what Billy Graham preached, but I remember as a young boy, just nine years old, that I desperately needed God. As young as that, yeah. And I made a definite commitment that night. Number three, how I committed my life to Jesus. Now, this is important because people really don't know how to commit their life to God. They, it, it seems like a barrier. How can they get through? As we often hear the pastor say, people think they've got to get good to get God. They must understand that if they get God, then God will take care of the rest of it. So what specifically did you do? Where were you? How did this happen? Were you in a meeting? Were you speaking to a friend? What did you say? Now don't... It says in the notes here, what did you say in your prayer? Okay, but I want to say... What did you say to God? What did you speak to God rather than pray? Okay? Because we've got to come in at their level. When, when, when they think about prayer, they're thinking of somebody kneeling down and, and going so through some sort of a ritual and saying certain words. Just be real to them. Say, I realised what I was at. I just cried out to God, please help me. Help me, Lord. If there's a God up there, please help me. And that will mean... A terrible lot to them. People are scared of prayer, mainly because people just can't pray. I've spoken to a lot of people in my years in the ministry, and this is a big hurdle. You know, I say, well, do you want to know God? I do, Pastor, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Just make it as simple as possible. Make, make it as ordinary as possible. Well, just speak to him. He's, he's not far from us. You don't have to speak fancy words. He will listen to you if you just speak from your heart. Number four, the difference that Jesus made in your life. This is the one you spend the most time on. Okay? Remember? the difference that Jesus made in your life. People who don't know God are spiritually starving. They are. We forget. They don't even think about God because they don't know how to find him. They don't want to think about heaven because that makes them think about hell. They don't want to think about death. So what are the benefits that you experienced when you prayed to God? Even if you, a person just prays the simple prayer of repentance, something happens at that point. Put up your hand if, you, if that's what you... Yes, okay? 
It's not just when they get baptised and filled with the Holy Ghost. No. When you repent, something happens at that point. I remember being behind the platform at the, at the Maya Music Bowl and somebody there, a young man back there, he had about three or four of us and he said, we're going to pray together. And he just prayed a simple prayer and I think he had us actually to repeat the prayer after, after him. And I remember going back to my, my mother and my grandmother and as I walked back, I thought, oh, I feel different. So just that simple prayer of repentance will bring peace. It will begin to clear the conscience. Some people say they even began to feel healthy from that minute onwards. That's because sometimes people are so far from God that it actually torments them. What sort of problems were resolved? Well, all of a sudden you started to feel confident around the, uh, about the people that gathered around you. Because out there in the world, you can't feel confident with your friends. You never know when they're going to stab you in the back. You never know when they're going to lead you down the wrong road or... Many times, some of the things they're doing, you don't feel comfortable with, but you just have to go along with it. And you get, people get a tremendous relief when they commit their life to God. There's, as, as it were, a line drawn in the stand, sand. Tell them how Jesus has helped you change for the better. In other words... Once, I didn't know where I was heading. I didn't know where I was going in life. All as I could see is death in the, in the distant. But now, I feel like I'm getting somewhere. I feel like I've got something to live for. I feel like I'm not living in a shadow anymore. Hey, can you relate to this? Yeah? And how has... Jesus helped you in your relationships. Well, now you can be a real person. Yeah? A real person. You don't have, you don't have to put on a facade, facade of toughness or a facade of uh, whatever it may be. You can just be yourself. And because you can be yourself, then you can have genuine friends. So, now let's go to the next point. Suggestions to help you prepare to give your testimony. The first thing you do when, in preparation to give your testimony is you pray. Okay? You're not praying about giving your testimony, you're praying about God helping you to prepare to give a testimony. How many people here have a testimony that has already been written out about how you were saved. Okay, some of you, yeah. That's good, because that's what I'm really talking about. Write it on paper. I'm not saying do it in one sitting, but do it over a period of time. Add to it, and that's the good thing about having a computer. You can edit it. 
You can make it as long as you want, but you're not going to use the whole lot, okay? You're just going to be ready. You're going to recall some of the things that happen. You won't recall them all at the same time. So that's why I said do it over a period of time, write it on paper so that you will be prepared. You don't have to keep it in the back of your Bible, but if you write it on paper and read it regularly, then you'll be quick to recall the points that are in it. You don't even have to recite it. It's important that your testimony is kept short and to the point. Nobody wants to have to sit through a one-hour testimony with you, okay? You've got to be pretty good to keep their attention. And when you're giving your testimony, don't lose sight of the goal, the objective. Why are you doing this? When you're giving your... You're trying to win a soul, okay? You're trying to make them hungry for what you've experienced. I've already said it. Be brief. Avoid any unnecessary detail. And I've said in the notes here to keep you to the three minutes. You can refer to experiences most people have in common. Okay. People can't relate to something really unusual in your testimony. Just something they can relate to. For instance, share a slice of your life. Just a small portion of of what you were going through at that particular time. But particularly emphasise how Jesus met your deepest needs and deepest desires. But a story they can relate to. <clears throat> Be honest. Your life was never perfect before you became a Christian and be honest. Don't try to tell them that you're an angel. <laughs> you understand what I mean? In other words, explain to them that now you have peace in your life and now you have purpose in your life, there are still some rocky stages and you make mistakes. If you're witnessing to somebody in your workplace, they already recognise what you, your weaknesses. They, they already heard you say something or do something, maybe even swear, which we should, if that happens, we should immediately apologise to the people. But don't imply in any way that all your problems were left behind and now basically you're sitting on the doorstep of heaven with angels fluttering around you everywhere. I'll get back to the fact I've said here in the notes, emphasise part four of what we said before. But you're talking about the difference that Jesus made in your life. The people want to hear. They want to hear what? Already they've probably noticed something is different about you and I haven't said it yet, but really it's going to be much easier for you to give a testimony if people already know that you are a committed Christian. 
You, you should not be in, a, in, in your workplace and people not be aware that you're a committed Christian. When I was a school teacher and I made it quite obvious I was a committed Christian, I was surprised with the number of other people, other teachers who came out of the, out of the network, out of the dark and said, well, I'm a committed Christian as well. I remember speaking in, in, a, uh, in a teacher's debate whether about whether they were going to have Bibles in the school. And I determined I was going to speak up because they were trying to ban the Gideons giving out free Bibles. So a couple of my friends who were Christians went to various churches. They said, this is not good, is it? I said, no, I'm going to speak up about it. And that really rattled them because there were some elements in amongst the staff that were very anti-Christian, very vocal and very abusive about Christians. Anyway, this, uh, this teacher got up and she said, last year when the Gideons came to our, our school and handed out the, the Bibles, he dared to say that the best thing that ever happened in his life was when he came to know Jesus. It was very well worded because it so when it came to somebody to speak against, I stood up and I said, well, I can tell you also the very best thing that ever happened in my life is when I came to know Jesus. And man, she was cranky. But you know, we won that debate that day by one vote out of 70 teachers, one vote, and the Bibles were delivered. Don't hide your light. In fact, afterwards, the vice principal said to me, he said, I'm glad you spoke up, John. He said, I, th I thought this was a wipeout, but when you spoke up, that seemed to make a big difference. You also need to emphasise why you turned to Jesus and repented. We've already spoken about it. Tell them why you turned to Jesus and mention the benefits. Number one, probably the biggest one is you have peace with God, you know your destiny, you're now you're going to heaven. Okay? All right, now I'm going to skip through this quickly. Suggestions to help you prepare to give your testimony continue. Don't brag about your pre-conversion sins. Don't make negative remarks about other religious people. Don't mention any denomination because your testimony is all about Jesus. You're, you're drawing them to Jesus. Don't quote a lot of scripture. Keep it brief. Try to answer the questions that they ask. Don't... Don't be on track so hard that you won't answer the question they ask. Once again, give examples from your life, specific things that happened in your life. 
don't use dates, names, ages, don't use all that, that irrelevant stuff, okay? And be prepared. Practice. Practice. If you've got a Christian friend, sit them down and say, do you mind if I practice with you telling my testimony? And then you can practice it on me. We'll tell each other. In that case, you can spend a whole hour telling your testimony, but when you actually sit down with somebody, keep it brief. Keep it relevant. Don't speak formally. Don't dramatise or embellish your testimony. And don't share mystical experiences. You may have had mystical experiences, but leave it out because they'll think you're weird. I've got an example here. I was on the way to work and I got every green light. And when I got to work early, the boss said to me that he was very impressed. So I knew this was a special day, but I didn't realise this was the day I was going to get to know Jesus. They, they won't relate to that, okay? Because it's mystical, the green lights and, and everything like that. Just be right down to the point. And don't preach at them either. Just talk to them, relate to them on a, on a very simple level. Talk about yourself. Okay? You're giving the testimony. And I've also suggested there that you use a bit of humour. Be careful with the humour. Okay? Don't be humorous just for the sake of humour because they'll be thinking, what's going on here? You know? He doesn't usually tell jokes like this. Just, just be your ordinary you. But if there's something funny, if there's something funny, then you can relate it, okay? Because that's you. The next slide says, faith is what you believe. Hope is the benefit of what you believe. When you give a testimony to somebody who's not saved, it's about hope. Everybody say hope. hope. Say it again. Say it again. Hope. Because they're in a hopeless situation. It's about hope. You can take your Bible out anytime. And this is probably why knocking on doors is, is a very special ministry because knocking on doors with an open Bible scares the daylights out of people. The first thing they will think that you're a particular denomination of people. Okay? Then they'll be thinking this person wants an argument. And all they're doing is thinking, all I want to do is close the door. Beat it, go. No. 
I think the most important thing here is for you to relate to people exactly, exactly the way it was. Now, for myself, I wait for opportunities. I found kicking the door down and, and trying to nail somebody in the office and standing in the doorway so they can't get out just never worked. What really works, well, I used to say very often, I will pray for you. Now, they don't go, what? You pray for me? I didn't know you are a Christian. They already knew I was a Christian. So I could say, I'll pray for you. Don't say, would you like me to pray for you? Because they'll say, oh, no, no, it's all right. I'm, I'm fine. Okay, don't do that. Don't put them on the spot. If you say, I'll pray for you, and they say, I'd really like that, and if you're in a private place, then you can actually pray with them right there and then. And you'll be surprised what happens. Because when you pray, that's an ideal situation. Very often when you pray, the Spirit of God moves, softens their hearts, and they become very, become very receptive. You can tell them about other people that have become a Christian. Don't only relate to yourself, but say, I know other people. I, I know a man who... Uh, when he was converted, how it changed his life. You can relate other things as well, but really it's all about your own experience. Don't use religious terms and certain words that they haven't got a clue what you're talking about. In your notes there, you'll find a list of alternatives. And... What you've got to do is really read up on that so that you're not using the religious terms but you're using the alternatives. Ask yourself, if I was an unbeliever, would my testimony make sense to others? If I was an unbeliever, would my testimony make sense to another person? Okay, how to lead into your testimony. I've already named one. Maybe there's, maybe there, and people do this at work. They do it on the street. How are you today? Oh, it's not a good day. My, I've got, my family's all sick or uh, my mother-in-law died or something like that. These are ideal situations for you to actually speak up and offer something. You may not only offer to pray for them, you may offer to help them. And that will really get a big plus sign, okay? This person's not only not only Christian, but they're ready to help me. And that will open up many, many doors. Another thing is to, if you try to start up one, you've got to be careful here, try to start up a, a conversation. Maybe you could talk about something that's in the news. Okay? 
Russia's talking about an atomic bomb. They may say, yeah, I wonder where it's all going to finish. Then an ideal opportunity for you to say, yeah, we have to be really ready for it. And they may say, well, how are you going to be ready? Well, I haven't got a bomb shelter in my backyard. I've just got to make sure I'm right with God. And so that can really start up a conversation. You've got to be wise. Try to start with a statement that they agree with. Never get let them disagree with you. Try to always make statements they will agree with. Now, what do we do when we've been in a place and we've never testified? Maybe we've worked there for 10 years and we've never testified for them. Now we're, we're frightened to open our mouth because they think, what sort of a person is this? Well, I put a suggestion there. You know, when maybe it's a need comes up. There's something I've always wanted to share with you. Okay, so that overcomes that barrier. I really should have shared with you before this, but I see that you have a great need, so I want to take this opportunity to share with you now. Amen. Praise the Lord. I've just lost my notes out of order. I've been shuffling them here. So let's have the next screen, please. I'll take it from up there. Sharing your testimony is an exciting experience. You become, when you get a chance to share your testimony, you will be elated. Okay? Even if they don't respond, you will feel elated. You will feel encouraged. You'll be edified. You'll go home praising God. Well, thank you, Lord, that I had an opportunity. Because now we're Christians. This is what we're built to do. This is what our purpose in life is, is to share the experience, the hope of eternal life. you will find deeper purpose in living for God. In other words, you've, you've lived at this level, but now because you've testified, you've felt that you've moved to a deeper position in God, of trusting him. And when you do it, you, you'll, it will be so much easier to do it the next time, to testify. In fact, after a while, the radar gets up and things that you missed before, you you'll find that you'll pick up on things that you can say to people. Number four, pray daily that God will give you an opportunity. You've heard me say that many times here when I was pastoring. This week, let us all pray that God will give us an opportunity. And people in this church have said, you know, Pastor, I heard what you said on Sunday. So I prayed. And, you know, I walked into my work and within five minutes I had an opportunity to tell my testimony. Because prayer makes us more conscious. It gives us confidence that, that we're in the will of God. 
Now this is, this is a lesson. Go tell it on a mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Well, this is Christmas time. Go tell it on a mountain every day of the week. We've got something to shout about. We've got something to be proud about. We shouldn't be hiding our light under a bushel. Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Bishop Downs, for that. And over the last couple of days, I've been talking about how we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's the reason we're here, is that we are to do what Jesus did, to seek and to save the lost. And uh, it sounds tonight like a very practical lesson, but the Bible says that we should always be ready to share the hope. First Peter 3 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so maybe you've never even thought about your testimony and how you would share with somebody if they, they said, tell me what Jesus has done in your life. Maybe you've never thought about it. Maybe you never have. But it's time to think about it because the opportunity will come. You don't want to walk away and say, you know what? I didn't obey that scripture. I wasn't ready to share the reason of my hope.